from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today. We've got a lot to cover on this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch coming up. Today, I'm about to sign an executive order that directs key federal agencies to protect our communities from those hateful attacks and advance equality for families. My order, my order will use the full force of the federal government to prevent inhumane practices of conversion therapy. That was uh, President Joe Biden a little over an hour ago at a special Pride Month event at the White House. You know, while the president is forcing the left's radical transgender agenda on America, inflation is skyrocketing and interest rates won't be far behind. The labor market is extremely tight and inflation is much too high. Against this backdrop, today the Federal Open Market Committee raised its policy interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point and anticipates that ongoing increases in that rate will be appropriate. That was uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, announcing yet another increase in interest rates as uh, President Biden fiddled. And uh, President Biden's USDA is bullying states, saying they will take their federal lunch money. Yes, you heard me right. Their federal lunch money if states do not change school bathroom policies to allow biological boys to use girls' restrooms and locker rooms. But at the same time, he and his administration are silent as churches, pregnancy resource centers, and pro-life organizations are attacked by domestic terrorists. In 2022, simply being a Christian or being pro-life seems to be sufficient cause for angry radicals to call in threats, graffiti your door, or firebomb your office. Once again, President Biden and his Justice Department have been totally silent. That was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. And while the Biden administration does nothing, nothing to stop the left-wing violence, they press forward with disarming law-abiding citizens. I hope and pray that finally this time we won't see partisan posturing. We won't see politicians trying to disarm law-abiding citizens, but we'll come together and say, let's focus on what works, let's focus on the bad guys, and let's make our schools safer. That was Texas Senator Ted Cruz earlier today on Capitol Hill as debate continues over the effort to control gun-related violence. Yes, this is what the Biden administration is doing on this 15th day of June. I'm going to be joined a little bit later by Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, economist Steve Moore, a former member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board and now senior fellow at FreedomWorks. Also, Dr. Quentin Van Meter, president of American College of Pediatricians, will be with us. Dr. Michael New, associate scholar at the Catholic University of America, will be with us as well. And Meg Kilgannon, former member of the Trump Department of Education and now senior fellow for education studies here at the FRC will be with me as well. So a lot of ground to cover today. If you miss anything, you can find it all later at TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, for more news and commentary from a biblical perspective, be sure and visit the new site, WashingtonStand.com. That's WashingtonStand.com. Our word for today coming from the Stand on the, Bi- Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. And it reads as follows. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years. 
year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites, end quote. Now, I am sure that the media in David's day was pointing to climate change as the cause for the famine. The elites of ancient Israel were no doubt calling for more green energy investments and offering carbon offsets for their camels and donkeys. Obviously, I'm being facetious, at least kind of. Today, this idea of attributing famine, pestilence, and other natural disasters to God is mocked. Such an idea is in conflict with the modern man that says God didn't create it, therefore he can't control it. But the truth is, he did create it. And he not only controls it, he sustains it. To join us in our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, earlier today, President Biden celebrated Pride Month, uh, and we're going to talk about that. But also his department, uh, USDA, announcing um, that they are going to take monies, federal monies, that fund school lunch programs away from states unless these schools change their bathroom policies to allow boys, biological boys, to use girls' restrooms and locker rooms. Here to talk about this, Meg Kilgannon, former member of the Trump Department of Education and now senior fellow here at the Family Research Council. Meg, tell me um, that I, I just read this wrong and that's not really happening. Well, I wish I could tell you that, Tony, but I'm afraid that it that it is happening. And fortunately, uh, attorney general, attorneys general from across the country have called out the lie of, of this effort on their part to to completely ignore legal rulemaking processes. Um, that what the USDA did was to just issue an edict. They claim that they are clarifying a rule that they've already made, when in fact they're completely changing the interpretation and the application of that rule. So you have 26 uh, attorneys general that have written a letter to the president calling him out on the, his administration out on two points as it pertains to this. But, but again, I want to be very clear. I mean, this is almost like, it's, it's just hard to believe, you have the Biden administration bullying schools, threatening to take their lunch money. Yes, Yes. And and without going through uh, any sort of pretense of legal action to do so. I speak to that for a moment, because having been in the Trump administration, when an administration, when an agency is issuing guidelines and rules that states or others have to live by, there is a process. Yes, there is a process. There's a a suggestion of the rule. It's reviewed by the administration. It goes through review in the agency it's reviewed by the public, and the public offers comments on the rule. And then it is revised again, and the, the, that input is considered, and then finally the rule is issued. Um, that's not what happened here. Didn't we have something similar to this during the Obama administration? Sure. The Obama administration issued a dear colleague letter to uh, school principals and administrators demanding the same sort of treatment for uh, you know, transgender identified students, that they be allowed access to everything based on their gender identity, not based on the their actual sex. And, and what that does for a lot of left-wing, uh, left-leaning schools, school districts, is that they say, oh, we've got to do this. And right. so they throw this up in the face of parents and say, well, we're going to lose this funding if we don't do this. Right. And even when in the Trump administration we rescinded that guidance, Schools would still refer to the Obama guidance as the justification for their proceeding with the policy they actually wanted to, to adopt. 
So we have uh, one is they did not go through the proper rulemaking process. They're, they're using this as, as, as guidance, but many will throw me into that briar patch. I'll, I'll do that. Um, but then secondly, in their uh, guidance, they completely uh, misread or misinterpret or misuse a Supreme Court decision. Explain that. Yes. The Bostock decision that came down in 2020 uh, was a case that applied to Title VII, which is labor law. That's employment law. It does not have to do with Title IX. And they actually wrote in the Bostock decision, which was still not my favorite decision the Supreme Court has issued, um, they wrote that, 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 that the interpretation they had for Title VII did not apply to Title IX. The yeah. Title IX had not been considered, and they should not. That should not be so construed as justification. Their decision in Bostock dealt with employment law, correct? And we're talking adults, correct? And so the Biden administration is taking that Supreme Court decision that was about employment, and they're applying it to education and children, correct? Yes. Because it's convenient for their desires. And they're telling states, if you don't fall in line, we're going to beat you up and take your lunch money. If you don't illegally follow this illegal rule, we're going to take your lunch money. And not not adult lunch money, children's lunch money. But but explain, again, you were in the Department of Education, you understand this. Um, Explain who's harmed by this. The children who are in Title I schools, any child who's getting a lunch that is provided by the U.S. Department of Agriculture grants that fund our school lunch programs, those do not go through funding through the Department of Education. This is a Department of Agriculture-funded program. They also fund things in in soup kitchens, uh, food pantries at times, Um, so they're literally taking food away from hungry children. Some children, unfortunately, the only hot meal they get is the one they get at school every day. So, again, I mean, this, I'm sure, folks, you're listening to this, you're saying this can't be. This can't be. The President of the United States would take food out of the mouths of children, hungry children, in order to advance this radical transgender agenda, forcing students to be exposed to children of the opposite biological sex. I mean, how, how, how perverted, how demonic can you be? I mean, this president is, I I would say he's, he's got to be, I, I just, I can't understand how you can be so obsessed with this agenda that you would literally take food out of the mouths of starving children. I mean, what they're saying is that if, There is a young woman who is in the band, for example, and they are traveling to play in a parade somewhere. Maybe they're going to the Rose Bowl Parade in California, and and they're going to be sharing hotel rooms. So there'll be four students to a hotel room. So if if a young woman is in a hotel room with a boy who has boy body parts but identifies as a girl— that young woman who objects to sharing a bed with a male-bodied person is going to be considered the one who's discriminating yeah, right. against him right. based on his gender we're, identity. We're, what about her rights? What about her rights? Yeah. What about the boundaries that she should rightly set for herself? I mean, this is, this is, this is absurd. And folks, uh, look, not making this up. In fact, as I said, 26 
uh, attorneys generals have uh, assigned this letter to the president saying you're wrong on two accounts. You need to rescind this order. You've got the attorney general of Tennessee, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wyoming, and Virginia. I guess the question would be, if your attorney general has not signed this, they ought to. Uh, Find out, and if they have, send them a note and thank them. But you ought to ask your attorney general, um, are you standing up for the children in our schools that they won't, their lunches won't be taken simply because we won't allow biological boys to go into girls' locker rooms? Right, and perhaps some of the COVID money that schools have um, that, that has already been distributed to the states and is yet to be spent can be targeted to school lunches if a state does, in fact, lose their funding wrongly over this issue. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, this is just, this is how, stick with us, folks, because I'd like to say it's going to get better, but we've got more to warn you about coming from this administration. Not only are they silent as uh, militants are attacking pro-life pregnancy centers and churches, uh, but they're working to take away guns from law-abiding citizens. We're going to be talking next with Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe. Meg, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, folks, don't go away. We're going to come back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website is TonyPerkins.com. So good to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Earlier today, the Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing on protecting America's children from gun violence. Now, during this committee hearing, Chairman Dick Durbin said, quote, gun violence is traumatizing an entire generation of kids and that we need to treat this like the public health crisis it is. Considering how the left has been pushing transgenderism on children and how Democrats handled COVID-19 How weary should we be of the approach that Democrats are taking on the issue of guns? Um, Is this really about stopping violence or is this about controlling guns and who has them? Joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Greg Stubbe. He is a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Judiciary Committee. He represents the 17th Congressional District of Florida. Uh, Greg, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, before I get into the gun control issue, I know this is something you're passionate about because you've been leading out on uh, protecting women's sports. Uh, The latest, uh, you know, coming from the USDA saying they're going to take away lunches from schools, from children in schools, if they don't change uh, their uh, policies as it pertains to gender and and sex. I mean, uh, I was just talking about this in the previous segment. I know this is something you're passionate about. I don't know if you've uh, you're tracking with that or not. Uh, but but how goes it on the battle to protect women's sports? Well, we're over 185 signatures uh, on the discharge petition. We're going to keep working that. My hope is to get every Republican on there. So if you're a Republican member of Congress, if you're watching this and you look online and your Republican member of Congress has not signed that discharge petition, it simply would not allow a biological man to compete in women's athletics at the collegiate and high school level. Uh, you should encourage them to do that. My goal is to get all the Republicans on there and try to start working the Democrats. If we can get to 218 members of the House of the force, a vote on the floor. Um, but it, it's this administration is weaponizing their agencies. Like you're talking about the USDA, the DOJ is doing the same thing. The FBI is doing the same thing. Is weaponizing their agencies for their far left agenda and trying to force it on the American people. And they're using force to do that. So let's talk about uh, the issue of, uh, that's being discussed, the gun control issue, uh, because in, in the backdrop of this is that we've had over 40 incidents of violence against pro-life uh, pregnancy resource centers, pro-life organizations and churches uh, since the leak of the Dobbs opinion. And the administration is doing nothing. 
but yet they want to disarm law-abiding citizens. We have a completely politicized Department of Justice that cares nothing about the current laws on the books that doesn't allow you to try to protest outside of justices' homes and get them to change their minds on an upcoming uh, piece of court action. The law's already on the books. This DOJ and this attorney general are refusing to enforce it, despite the fact that Republicans are telling them there's already a law that protects these judges and you're not doing anything about it. This is all about their agenda, and their agenda is to take law, take firearms from law-abiding citizens. There's no underlying other issue here. Uh, if you look at the amount of deaths that we've had in America due to overdoses on fentanyl, right. it is the leading cause of death right. between those age of 18 and 45. Yet they're doing nothing to stop that. They're doing nothing to stop the overrunning of the border. They want open borders. If they genuinely cared about the health and safety of Americans and Americans dying, we would be doing things like that and shutting down our border and stopping the number one cause of death for that age demographic. All right. So, Congressman Stubbe, the, the Senate is really the driver now on this issue of uh, what they call gun-related violence in our schools. What, in your opinion, needs to come out of these, uh, you know, come out of the Senate in terms of their bipartisan negotiations? Well, what should come out of there is let's not make gun-free zones that are a target for lunatics and crazy people in our country where they know that there are people there that do not have firearms to defend themselves. And let's put armed, trained individuals in all these places. Um, These mass shooters don't go to a gun shop or a pawn shop or an airport or other places where they know that there's law enforcement that's armed, that there's concealed permit weapon carriers are that are armed to be able to defend themselves. I authored a bill when I was in the state legislature that would allow for former and current law enforcement and former current uh, military to go through a training program to volunteer to be with our school safety officers and school resource officers in our school. That's the type of thing that we should be doing, not creating gun-free zones that is a target for lunatics, but allow those people to be able to defend themselves, not taking the rights away from law, law-abiding citizens. And Congressman Stuve, you've also addressed the underlying issue here when you look at the these young, angry young men who are disproportionately the ones that are committing these heinous acts. The, the, the moral implosion that we see in our country, the breakup of the family, that's not being discussed by the Democrats. No, I led my House floor debate with that. Some recent statistics out from the uh, Christian Today about the mass majority of these 75% of your mass shooters in recent history, all from fatherless homes. Large majority of those that are rapists, large majority of those that commit violent crime, large majority of those that are in uh, juvenile detention, all from fatherless homes. Why aren't we talking about the fact that we've taken God out of our schools, that we have a epidemic in our country of fatherless children and providing these children with role models, providing these children with people they can look up to and not encouraging them to commit violence. And that's what's going on in our country. That is the real moral uh, dystopia that we have in our country right now that the majority wants to talk nothing about. They want to use that as a reason to take every law-abiding citizen's gun away. Congressman Greg Stubbe, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. And thank you for bringing those issues up on the House floor. We need to absolutely talk about those issues and I think force the Democrats to talk about what they don't want to talk about. And that is they've kept, kicked God out of our schools. They've removed prayer. And now we have total chaos. Yeah, 100 percent. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe of uh, Florida.
You know, I, I do want to uh, encourage you to be praying for the men and women who are up here in Washington. You don't hear, well, if you listen to this program or watch this program, you do see and hear them, but they don't get a lot of the media time. Because, quite frankly, the media doesn't want you to know that there are men and women of deep faith who share your convictions and are here working day in and day out to advance that. Now, I need your help, though, because I need you to encourage them, because I tell you what, I talk to them a lot, and they get discouraged. So when you see one of them on the program, reach out and uh, email them. I, a lot of the contact is at TonyPerkins.com. And just thank them for standing up for truth. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Stephen Moore with Freedom Works and co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. The Federal Reserve raising those interest rates, trying to get a handle on inflation. What does that mean for you? We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check out the new news site. You've been asking for this. News and commentary from a biblical perspective. Go to the Washington Stand. That's WashingtonStand.com. Earlier this afternoon, while President Biden prepared to celebrate Pride Month and issue an executive order to advance the LGBTQ+, uh, calls the Federal Reserve increase interest rates by uh, three quarters of a percentage point. That's the largest increase since 1994. Now, Chairman uh, Powell indicates that further rate increases are coming. What does this mean for the U.S. economy? And, uh, and more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? I mean, 
I, I don't know if the, if the administration is just trying to distract away from the, the, the consequences of their policies. I mean, you're paying $5 a gallon for gasoline. Interest rates are going up. Uh, your take-home pay being eaten up by inflation, your savings, your retirement. And so what does the president spend his time doing? Uh, promoting perversion and con- corrupting the minds of our children. That's what he's focused on. But I, I want to look at the, uh, the, the, let me see, I think we're having, did we get Stephen? Okay, we're working to connect with uh, uh, Steve Moore, who's an economist, to talk about this. But in, in the meantime, I want to go um, uh, quickly to Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy here at the Family Research Council. Uh, we're working on this issue of the DOJ and the Biden administration being silent on the attacks on pro-life um, organizations and care pregnancy centers. Uh, Travis Weber, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. All right. Uh, Anything out of the administration to explain why they're doing nothing? (laughs) Nothing out of the administration to explain why they're doing nothing. I think the uh, statements that we have seen from them have been very equivocal, unaccepting, uh, at an unacceptable level, they've equivocated, uh, tried to uh, provide a moral equivalence between the threats and attacks against crisis pregnancy centers and places of worship in recent weeks with the uh, almost non-existent threat uh, from those claiming to hold a pro-life view against abortion businesses and facilities. So there is a problem when uh, it's very obvious they they should be calling attention to and saying something, saying that this is against the law. They will enforce the law to prosecute these instances when it's clearly an emerging threat. Right. And we can imagine the shoe being on the other foot and everyone crying bloody, bloody murder about this. Well, just uh, on Monday, uh, there was another attack, an arsonist attack. This was um, in Washington state against a pro-life uh, state legislator. So uh, and then uh, earlier today, the uh, Jane's Revenge uh, issuing a statement saying the 30 days of patience and mercy are over and they're going to step up their attacks. Um Again, nothing from the administration saying that we're going to prosecute this as domestic terrorism. Yeah, we don't we don't see that that statement that we need. And Tony, there are current federal and state laws on the books that uh, the administration can call attention to at the federal level. They can use the tools that the DOJ has access to in terms of federal criminal statutes and other statutes uh, to to at least outline how these things are against the law. Number one. Number two, go actual initiate investigations and prosecutions. And at the state level, they can note that these activities are against state, various state uh, law, state provisions of state criminal code uh, or, or civil code. And the tools are there. We just need those in leadership uh, to be willing to enforce clear violations of the law. Yeah, what's interesting is a lot of these attacks are taking place in blue states where they know that the, the authorities there are going to kind of turn a blind eye uh, to the activities, and, of course, the Fed's uh, doing the same. So I, I think one of the solutions is if this happens in a state where you actually have uh, elected officials who abide by the law, uh, and usually those are Republicans because a lot, so many Democrats uh, don't particularly care for upholding the law, uh, we need to see more aggressive enforcement of law in those uh, red states. We do. And, and Tony, this is something that we, you know, at FRC have discussed and, and, uh, you know, been focusing on elsewhere. 
that the split and division between uh, what's coming out of, of states even before Dobbs is decided. You have um, state authorities indicating their lack of willingness to enforce laws that are on the books. This is a deeper problem than even one case or prosecution because it points to a breakdown in the rule of law when you have public officials neglecting their duty and openly saying uh, they're going to neglect their duty to enforce laws on the books, whether they're prosecutions of state uh, violations of state criminal law against those committing violence against prices, pregnancy centers or houses of worship, or a failure to enforce current laws protecting life that are on the books. Regardless of what we think of that law, if we're in a public position of trust charged with investigating enforcement, we need to enforce the law or, or um, recuse ourselves or resign if it's a violation of our conscience or, or deal with it that way in another avenue. But you don't just say we're going to pick and choose. This creates a breakdown in trust, breakdown in our entire system of government in the United States. Yeah, I remember uh, not too long ago when there were uh, local elected officials who objected from a moral standpoint of uh, performing same-sex weddings and the weight of the government came down on them for not engaging personally in an activity uh, that violated their conscience. Here we're talking about people who are violating a law committing acts of violence and uh, officials silent. Uh, Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, folks, we didn't uh, get connected with Stephen in time, but we're going to get him back on uh, at some point to talk about the economy and what uh, this increase in interest rates and uh, if this is going to work and getting a control on inflation. But when we come back, Dr. Van Meter is going to be joining us to talk about uh, the president's celebration of pride and transgenderism in the White House today. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. A busy day here in our nation's capital. Just a little over an hour ago, President Biden hosted a pride event at the White House during which he signed an executive order that his administration says advances equality for those identifying as LGBTQI+. Today, I'm about to sign an executive order that directs key federal agencies to protect our communities from those hateful attacks and advance equality for families. My order... My order will use the full force of the federal government to prevent inhumane practices of conversion therapy. Well, the uh, president's executive order puts into action the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Education, the Federal Trade Commission, the Treasury, the Secretary of State, with the president uh, with his head in the rainbow. It's no wonder that the country is in a mess. It's not just the economy that is and will suffer, but so will thousands thousands of children because of this agenda. Joining me now to talk about the latest push by the president in his administration is Dr. Quentin Van Meter, president of the American College of Pediatricians. He joins us by phone. Uh, Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to be back. Thank you, Tony. All right, let me just start with this. The president said that they are going to be um, eliminating or banning um, conversion therapy. D- define what the president's talking about. The, the president is talking about uh, exactly the opposite. What what the advocates of taking children who have a an incongruence of gender with their biologic sex, he is converting them actually and attempting to convert their sex to the opposite sex, which is uh, medically impossible. Uh, it, you, know, you when you're born a male. You are biologically a male for every day of your life for the last breath you take from the first breath. And so he is actually condoning a conversion, if you will, of these poor individuals who are suffering from deep emotional scars. And instead of paying attention to the emotional scars, like the way we do uh, in terms of our, our approach to these patients is to take care of their mental health and the deep dimensions that cause these problems. And we are affirming their biologic sex within their body and letting them live a life of happiness uh, and contentness and good health and particularly mental health and decreasing the likelihood that they will take their lives uh, in in abject depression. What he is doing is promoting uh, the the thought, the ideology that giving in to the emotional uh, whim of the child who wishes to become the opposite sex 
they're calling that affirmation and not conversion, when it is truly conversion. What he should be doing is standing up for what he believes, which is you can't convert somebody. It should be illegal, and the full force of the government should protect children from being converted from their biologic sex into a uh, sort of a persona that is incongruent with their sex. There is incredible harm done by that. It's already been documented over the past 30 years, and it's being ignored by the ideologues that are currently in power and getting the, the ear of the president. Okay, so a couple of things there. One is, so the president was talking earlier in that statement about uh, stop the hate. He's actually talking about policies such as those in Florida that says they will not spend uh, government money to fund uh, trans gender surgeries or hormone treatments. They're saying they're not going to do that to children. He says that's hateful. But at the same time, what he says is we're going to spend money to uh, make sure that these kids have access to hormone therapies and surgeries, but we're not going to let them have access to the counseling that can help them bring their biological sex in line with their thinking or vice versa. Absolutely. So it, it's a it's a it's a play on words, and it's unfortunately that you know for the sake of these children we know the the, the adverse effects of of the affirmation at every level social affirmation, medical affirmation, and surgical affirmation. Uh, it's it's kind of like there's a journey across an unknown plane, and uh, it, there's 30 plus years of people who have made a traverse across this plane very carefully, very deliberately, and have come out at the end with people who are emotionally stable and live a very happy life right. uh, as adults. And what he's trying to do is to send everybody over a waterfall that's maybe a shortcut past that long journey that takes so much careful time and planning, that's very, very compassionate planning. And he's sending them over a shortcut which is has rapids, and there are plenty of wrecks that have happened along that way that we already know about, people who have come back from uh, those those efforts of med- medicine and surgery to try to change their persona, and it has wrecked their lives. They are crawling back off the rocks, screaming at everyone, don't go this way, don't go this way, please, it's a bad way to go. And he's putting the full force of government to, to push everybody over the waterfall. So, so Dr. Van Meter, you talk about the harm. I, I want to quote from a, a, a basically a statement from the the administration today prior to the to the uh, celebration there in the White House and the executive order being signed. But this is their claim, that children whose gender or sexual identity is rejected by their family, they are 8.4 times more likely to attempt suicide and 5.9 times more likelier to report serious depression than their peers. But they're not going on to tell the rest of the story. Having these hormone uh, therapies and surgeries does not take away that depression nor that tendency towards suicide. No, it, it does not. It actually amplifies it. There's a very recent study uh, that actually shows the increase in, in suicide completions over the long run on patients that have had puberty blockers, as opposed to the the studies that they quote, which are very poor, poorly done studies of sampling from biased uh, you know, groups of individuals who call in and, and in retrospect try to remember what happened 10, 15, and 20 years ago 
there's no longitudinal study. There is no uh, no ability for those those conclusions to be to be made in reality. And it's actually the biggest lie. Is they've got the kids in believing in the lie, and they bludgeon the parent. It's severe bullying for the for society to say, if you don't make my child the sex identity that they want to become, uh, they are going to kill themselves, and it will be your fault. And that is absolutely unsubstantiated. It is a statistical lie. It's a lie on so many levels, and yet that is the forefront of their push, uh, as if it you know it protects their ideology, and it is just an ideology. It, not based on any kind of science. All right, Dr. Van Meter, uh, final question for you, uh, President of the American College of Pediatricians, the White House claiming that, you know, doctors and all the major medical associations are behind them on this. Well, that, that's uh, the ideologues who run the uh, committees that design these guidelines, and that's all they are. They do not represent the majority of the membership. The membership themselves have no idea how these uh, these regulations and, and concepts and guidelines have ever been brought together because it's only one side. They have never convened a broad-based board to to begin uh, establishing a standard of care for these transgender uh, and, and gender incongruent children. They have just done one side, eliminated all opponents, asked no no advice from anybody with a contrary opinion, and they publish it as if it belongs to everybody and it's everybody's opinion. There's nothing farther from the truth. It's sad. It really is sad what they're doing to uh, to children, leading down, leading them down this path, all for a political agenda and ideology. Uh, Dr. Van Meter, as always, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. Anytime I can help, give me a call. Thanks. Bye bye. Absolutely, will do. S- sad, folks, that the government, as he said, he instead of putting the full weight of government behind protecting children, this administration is putting its full force of government to lead children down a destructive path. God have mercy on this nation. All right, today the militant pro-abortion Jane's Revenge said 30 days of patience and mercy have come to an end. They now pledge to accelerate acts of terrorism and violence in an effort to stop the court overturning Roe and to silence pro-lifers. As I mentioned earlier, uh, here's the president's and his administration's response. Nothing. Absolute silence. Well, Jane's Revenge is not the only entity trying to pressure the court. Abortion Research Hub, the Guttmacher Institute, has released its uh, latest three-year report on the trends and incidents of abortion in the United States and the abortion surveillance report, which covers abortion occurrences from 2017 to 2020. And it shows a rise in U.S. abortion rate and the U.S. abortion rate of about 7 percent. And they're saying this underscores the need to protect abortion. And therefore, the court should not be able to overturn it. Joining me now uh, to talk about this is Dr. Michael New, associate scholar at the uh, Charlotte Lozier Institute and research associate at the University, the Catholic University of America. Michael, welcome back to uh, to Washington Watch. No, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. So, uh, all right, let's just take these. Uh, g- give us the, the increases. What's behind the the increase in the abortion rates? Is this legitimate? And what do we make of these latest figures? 
Now, I hate to say it, but I do think it is legitimate uh, that um, both data from the CDC and data from the Guttmacher Institute does show this is 2017. Uh, there has been an increase in the U.S. abortion rate after a very long-term decline. And it is important that we have made good progress long-term getting abortion numbers down, but there has been a slight uptick since 2017. Uh, why is this? There's a couple of reasons. First off, there's been a big increase in chemical abortions. Uh, data from Guttmacher shows that as of 2020, over half, 54% of all abortions are chemical abortions. And during the pandemic, there was also a real push to kind of expand access to chemical abortions. Uh, due to a court ruling, uh, women who want to obtain chemical abortions could actually get one without in-person medical exam. And that's obviously fail for the unborn child, but also dangerous for women. Another thing uh, that we need to worry about is that in many blue states, many liberal states, they're making their abortion policy more permissive. Since 2017, uh, both Illinois and Maine have started to cover elective abortions through the state Medicaid program. And not surprisingly, abortion numbers went up quite a lot in both states. So that's kind of a, a brief snapshot of why abortion numbers are going up. Well, and I think that's important to point out that in those states that have uh, liberalized their abortion policies and, in fact, have been funding them, they're getting mm -hmm. more of them. And so mm -hmm. when you see at the federal level a push by the Democratic Party to have taxpayer funding abortion without any questions asked, well, it, you don't have to guess what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. You're going to have more abortions. Now, absolutely. It's basic economics. I mean, if abortions are free or very heavily subsidized, more women will obtain abortions. If women have to pay out of pocket, uh, abortion numbers will go down a bit. And we know this from you know, research in the states, and we also know this from research on the Hyde Amendment. And you know, the Hyde Amendment limits the ability of the federal government to pay for elective abortions through Medicaid. And there's a very broad consensus of research that shows that the Hyde Amendment has saved you know, millions of lives. Uh, the right. Center for Active Rights uh, back in 2010 did this study and found the Hyde Amendment saved a million lives. My research has shown it saved over 2 million lives. So right. we really know that cutting off funding for abortion really does stop a lot of abortions and saves a lot of lives. Well, even more so than that, based upon my reading of this report, those states that have enacted pro-life policies, they've reduced the number of abortions in, in their states. So policy has an effect on this as well, not just funding. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we know from Texas, the heartbeat law, number of abortions performed in Texas has been cut by more than half since the heartbeat law took effect September 2001. In Missouri, uh, there's really on, only one abortion clinic remaining. Uh, Missouri has been a real leader in terms of the pro-life laws they passed. They've seen very large declines in their abortion rate. So, yes, enacting pro-life laws and passing pro-life policies does help and does get abortion numbers down. So, uh, Dr. New, my take on the release of this at this time is more about trying to influence the court, basically saying, hey, there's been a rise in the number of abortions in this country, therefore we've got to keep it legal. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I think that uh, they're trying to make the case that you know abortion is common and is frequent. And again, we have had good success getting abortion numbers down. Even with this you know, recent increase, the abortion rates declined by more than half since 1980. And one thing we also know is that more and more women facing unintended pregnancies are choosing life for their unborn child. So women are relying on abortion a lot less. We have a lot more pregnancy help centers. We're passing a lot more laws. And there's plenty of good options available uh, for women in need. So uh, I don't think this is going to succeed at all politically. I think it's something pro-lifers need to be aware of. Right. Uh, but I don't think it's a cause for panic. I need to think that the Dobbs decision will allow us to build on the impressive gains that we have made 
uh, over the past 40 years. Just so our, our viewers, listeners are, are clear on this, if you take the last 40 years, what we're seeing here in the last few years is just basically an outlier. It's a blip on the radar screen because we have seen a steady decline overall in abortions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since 1980, the U.S. abortion rate has fallen by more than 50 percent. It's less than half of what it was in 1980. And again, a big reason for that is because a higher percentage of untended pregnancies are being carried to term. And that all flows back directly to the efforts of pro-lifers. Yeah. Or education succeeding, our service efforts are succeeding, and we're passing more and more pro-life laws. All right, Dr. Michael New, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And folks, that's the truth. We're at this point where we could uh, any day see Roe and Casey overturned and the issue go back to the states and America being a predominantly pro-life nation again because of the effort of, of prayer and participation in our political process and through the ministry to women uh, that find themselves in uh, unwanted pregnancies, caring for the children, promoting adoption. Look, we've gained tremendous ground, and we're not going to give up now. Regardless of uh, the militants, the intimidation, the threats, folks, when you stand on truth, you just keep standing. That's what we've been called to do. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, I encourage you to check out the, uh, the new news site, Washington Stand, that's WashingtonStand.com, news and commentary from a biblical perspective. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.